0: Let's dwell a little longer in that story. Jesus and his cousin, John, are at odds. What an intriguing scene. Was it a case of misplaced expectation? Was John caught by surprise? Or perhaps in the midst of all the preaching and the shouting and shaking his fists, John was having a low blood sugar moment. Hadn't had enough fistfuls of his morning casserole of locusts and honey. He lifts his weary brow and looks at this lineup of 500 repenters alongside the River Jordan shoreline. Next up, Jesus? Where'd you come from? (laughs) Why are you here? John and Jesus are obviously not seeing eye to eye. Aren't you hearing what I'm preaching, John asks. You know, the I'm not worthy to carry his, your sandals. He will baptize with fire, winnowing fork in his hand, chaff burnt with fire. Fire, I say, fire. And so John prevents Jesus. I need to be baptized by you. Jesus answers, and side note, these are Jesus' first recorded words in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus answers, let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill righteousness. Or as another translation puts it, leave it like this for the time being. You see, this is exactly the way that it is thoughtful for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so John utters, let it be so. And John baptizes Jesus, and we read that Jesus came up from the water. And we Baptists always love that image, don't we? And look, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And look, a voice from the heavens speaking, saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We Baptists love this scene because of the volume of water displaced during the baptism. And I always like to poke fun at my Presbyterian and Catholic friends. Water matters. No, just kidding. Um, Side note, we at First Baptist welcome any amount of water that was involved in your baptism for you to be a member. So Baptists love the scene, though, still, because all this water flying around. Theologians love this scene because of the Trinity. And it really kind of helps support this Trinitarian heritage of the Christian faith. Because they're all there at that moment in time, right? God the Father, this heavenly voice speaking. Jesus is there. This dove symbolizing the Spirit comes. Trinity! So you may love this story for different reasons, but this morning I'd like to suggest that we love this story because in our journey with the Christian calendar, hot on the heels of Christmas and bounding forth into the season of Epiphany, the season of light, in this early part of a new decade, we get some renewed ripples of energy from the story, I'd like to suggest. So I want to focus on that final phrase, that final verse. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And I want to talk about two, what I'm calling the two greats of that phrase. The great reveal... And the great surprise. The great reveal is that in 89 chapters and four Gospels, um, there's only two places where God speaks to the world from the heavens above. In all four Gospels, 89 chapters, there's only two times when God speaks from the heavens to the world. And he does it twice, and it's in the Gospel of Matthew. And so we ought to pay attention to that. That's a great reveal. God saying, if you want to see my face, if you want to know my heart or understand the ways that I work in the world, this is my son. Stay close to him. And in the next couple of weeks when we read some other gospel stories, not only stay close with Jesus, but follow Jesus. And so Epiphany is a season of revelation, a season where we want God to open the eyes of our hearts as individuals, as a community of faith, a season of revelation. Because there's lots of ways that we get distracted. And we're especially in this day and age in North American Christianity distracted by many things. We're, We're distracted by... Who ought to be in our churches these days, who maybe shouldn't be in as much these days. Um, we see denominations and churches torn apart over dividing lines, over biblical authority, over whether we're reading the text plainly enough or not. And I'd like to suggest that what if on Baptism of Jesus Sunday, this rebooting of um, our lives and our trajectory with the great reveal, that if we chose once again with intentionality and fervor to lay aside our bantering and our theological warfare and really listened and again got in step with the Spirit, with the one who declares, this is my Son, my Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And so I encourage you, let the face and the heart... And the presence of Jesus guide us. That's what we're seeking to do here as a local church. We will not be divided because we want to be drawn together, not by theological values and bylaws, but by the face, the heart, the presence of Jesus. That's the great reveal that we can reacquaint ourselves with today and in the season of Epiphany. But that great reveal then leads to the great surprise. For 2,000 years, because of Christ and the great reveal, we too get in on this great surprise that every human being who ever lived, who is living, who will ever live, can have the approval of God, that Jesus himself knew as God's unique Son. That might be a surprise for you. And if it isn't, be re-surprised by it. That this grace of God, this John chapter 1, amazing grace that we've been talking about during the Christmas season, where we read that God's fullness and for all have received grace upon grace. John in his gospel writes, No one has ever seen God, but it is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart. Who has made him known. And so on Baptism Jesus, we encounter this great surprise, this face of grace upon grace in the person of Jesus. And we, like that first crowd alongside the Jordan River, we too get in on the promise to all the cosmos that we too are affirmed, we too are approved. That's good news. That's good news to start off the year with, that that, that me, you, um, put in your name in the blank, Jane, Jamie, Marie, Joanne, you are beloved daughters. You are beloved sons. With you, God says, I am well pleased. I don't know what Christianity you grew up with as... a a youngster or a child or what kind of Christian cultures you've come from, but sometimes Christian culture has really got it wrong by saying the starting point is original sin. You are just a lousy, filthy schmuck. Because right from the get-go, before Jesus lifted a thumb to do ministry or to do his first miracle, what was God's first voice? To Jesus. Approval. Affirmation. You are loved. You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. Isn't that a great promise for 2020? For a new year? A new decade? The starting point is not you lowly scum-sucking sinners. You need to keep on coming to church more and more and more so that you get better at this thing. But instead, the first word is belovedness. You are loved. With you, I am well pleased. Hallelujah. Woo! We live in that light, the light of the great reveal, the great surprise. And on Baptism of Jesus Sunday, um, we have started a tradition where we pass bowls of water around. And so, um, we're going to do that again today. I do want to talk about the image of water for just a minute, though. Just make sure that I'm... Yes. Um, If you want to read a great Baptist theologian and writer... Uh, Read Paul Fittis. He's a Baptist Union uh, British Baptist. And he's written this one book called Reflections on the Water, Understanding God and the World Through the Baptism of Believers. Uh, It'll make you proud to be a Baptist. Um, He talks about the image of water. And um, he talks about how water can be a symbol that... Uh, When we remember our baptisms or when we reflect on our baptism, and I know not all of us have been baptized in this room today, but even as you reflect on your relationship with God and water, that element, and um, there's there's something for all of us here. And Paul Fittis suggests that water uh, first can be an image of birth. That birth imagery in today's story is very apparent where Jesus comes up from the water and basically there's this uh, birth declaration pronouncement to Jesus saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And so um, when you're interacting with the water today, maybe, maybe birth or pronouncement might be how you reflect on your touching of the water Phaedas um, also talks about water as a symbol of cleansing. Uh, we all know that uh, many religions use water for spiritual um, or liturgical cleansing, and Christian tradition does the same. And so uh, maybe as you touch the water today, and I encourage you, maybe the sign of the cross on your forehead or the sign of the cross on your, um, on your hand, and maybe you say, yeah, this, this is a, a cleansing moment for me maybe you pray Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart of God. Renew a right and steadfast spirit within me. Or maybe as you're a- re- acting with the water or interacting with the water, it might be refreshment. We all know that water is refreshing and we as Canadians are so blessed and Edmontonians blessed to have clean water. But it's also a symbol of refreshment. And as you're interacting with the water today, maybe you'll refresh your heart and your mind and your soul and your imagination as you uh, dip your fingers in the water. Uh, Here's what Fittus says about the element of water. He says, contact with the element of water can evoke a sense of descent into the womb, that rebirth or that birthing, a washing away of what is unclean or reinvigoration. And he says that water is a place in the material world that can become a rendezvous with the crucified and risen Christ. And so maybe even as you're acting or interacting with water in the coming week, in this baptism of Jesus Sunday week, it might just be an extra special uh, relationship where you're reminded to pause, even as you're showering or washing or drinking, that, wow, there's something about water that can also remind me of my baptism, about birth, about cleansing, about refreshment. And so we're going to pass the bowls. I'll have one bowl to the choir, uh, a couple of bowls on this side, a couple of bowls will be moving through this side. And there is a bowl on a stool up in the balcony that uh, the balcony people can also pass. And as you're passing your bowl, maybe you might... Be so bold enough to say something like, Beloved daughter, or beloved son, depending on who's by you. Beloved daughter, in water we grow. And we've just sung that hymn, in water we grow. And as we pass the bowls through the sanctuary, maybe you can say that. Beloved daughter, beloved son, in water we grow. And uh, Gerald's going to reprise, in water we grow as we pass the bowls, and then afterwards, uh, as we close our time, we have this prayer that's on the back of our bulletin that I'll invite you to have ready, a prayer for the baptism of Jesus Sunday that we'll say together after we pass the bowls.